This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Sunday, May 31st. This is episode 294. I am Dan Ellis, joined via Skype by the other two awesome co-hosts of the show. Yeah, we are. We're pretty badass. Mm-hmm. That would be Mr. Ryan Duffy and Matt. Yeah. Matt. <laughs> I, sometimes, if, I don't know, like, if I should be sharing your last name or not, because you don't often mention it, and so I err on the side of caution. Yeah. Uh I'm sure it's out there, but it's all good. Yeah. And I more commonly go by my last name, and I forget what my first name is half the time. <laughs> so what's it's new? It's knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We determined that before we started recording the show. Your 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 last name is Cunt Knuckles. <laughs> yes. Uh. Sorry, Mother. I've changed my last name. <laughs> I just Different couldn't. favorite I, word. I couldn't. Yes. I couldn't bear the burden of having the, the Duffy last name anymore, so I've changed my last name to Cunt Knuckles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a Duff is the asshole. Or the ass. Oh, you my. You fall on your Duff. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So. So what, what's new with you guys? What have you been doing over the last week? Well, I, I, uh, I rescued an old lady, kind of. What? Yeah, with your cunt knuckles. <laughs> I had to. My head to put my cunt knuckles to work. <laughs> were, were you at work or was this no, off no. duty? This is off duty. So I had, I had a I had a buddy that gave me a call on Friday, like when I got home from work. He's like, "Hey, um, are you able to go help this person out today?" I'm like, "Well, what's wrong?" He's like, "Well, she's 68 years old, and they won't put her." swamp cooler back in her house until like three weeks from now for her landlord. I'm like, it's oh, supposed shit. to be like in the upper nineties this week. He's like, yeah, that's the problem. She can't get it in there herself. She doesn't have anyone to put it in. And it's supposed to be 90 degrees out and she has no way to cool her house down. And she's almost 70 years old. Yeesh. Where? So so, it's like so in who, Salt Lake. Well, well, so who contacted you and where like, I, so my a buddy of mine that I do a lot of film stuff with contacted me, but he lives up in Boise right now. Yeah. So those two were friends, and she was talking to him, and she told him that they won't come put her swamp cooler in. And he was like, well, I'll, let me make a few calls to friends I still have in the Salt Lake area and see if someone can come and help you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like when I went over there, her house was 80-plus degrees inside of it mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. Before it was 90 degrees outside even yet. So I was like, yeah, He's like, if you can do it this week, and I'm like, I'll have to go do it right now. Because, yeah, that's for an older lady who's got health problems, having to sit in a hot house like that all day long. 
kind of sucks. Oh yeah, well, and we've had record breaking heat fuck here. That landlord. Yeah, and we've had record breaking yeah. heat here. It's probably that the landlord has a set schedule that they will go and you know turn things on or off or you know get the air con- AC working, and that's based on yeah you know historical records of whatever is going on with the temperature that you know typically you know any time before this date is okay, but past this we should have everything going. So. They've probably just set a schedule, and then because we've had record-breaking heat here, that causes some issues for people. We've had record-breaking both uh, high temperatures and overnight low temperatures have been record-breaking highs. Yeah. Been really warm. I mean, but, like, even when your person calls you, and the thing is, it's just a small duplex. Mm. So it's not like it's a big apartment building or anything, and the person's like, yeah, I'll, I'll be able to get over there in, like, three weeks. Three yeah, weeks. that's really not soon enough. Yeah. See, I went down there and got it all hooked up and running and got the lady uh, some airflow in her house so that way she doesn't cook to death in there. Sheesh. Well, that's very nice of you. Uh, where in Salt Lake yeah. was it? Whereabouts? It was, uh, I was uh, down in, like, basically right downtown Salt Lake off of 1300. Mm. Well, that was very, that was very kind of you. And also very trusting of her to have some. Right. Well, like he told her who I was and that I was a firefighter and stuff. And of course, my show up at the door, her first response is, that is a firefighter mustache. (laughs) (laughs) From back when she was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was very nice. I'm sure she was very appreciative. Yeah, she was she was trying to pay me, and it's like, don't you don't owe me anything? I'm like, put it on Nick's tab. Next time Nick's in town, you owe him something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was very nice so, of you. So you so you had a good deed done for the week. Good deed done, and I've been building a whiskey box. Awesome! I saw pictures of that earlier. Who's the whiskey box yeah, for? I don't know yet. Uh. I'm I'm kind of in my phase right now where I want to I got ideas in my head and I want to make it mm. for things like hey if you wanted that like custom done like I can we can I can have something put on the lid or whatever and make it for other people but so it's kind of the yeah. the initial design phase then design like trying to figure out, okay like I have it in my head on how I want to do it and mm. then building it and uh about 90% of it all by hand, so all handsaw and hand-cutting everything. Ooh. Trying to learn how to do stuff without using power tools. Yeah. What was So hand-planing, hand-chiseling, hand-sawing everything. What's the name of that? There's a show. I don't even know if it's still on, but it was on for years and years and years. It was like This Old House or something like that on PBS or some station like that where yep. the guy just used it was there were no power tools it was all like just the tools that they used in the early 1900s or 1800s yeah. to build shit and it was kind of fun watching that it was a very relaxing show to watch and it's kind of relaxing for me to be able to do it by hand where i'm like you know i'm shaving each piece so they match perfectly but i can't it will never be the same on each of them because they're all done by hand mm. uh because you can buy jigs that you can just put on your saw, and it cuts the same cut every single time. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? That's kind of like a mass-produced product. I kind of like hand measuring and doing everything by hand. That way, it's kind of got that handmade touch to it. I'd like mine to have some some small flaws that show that it was crafted with love. Well, there's even like uh, like one thing I saw a lot of woodworkers that do stuff by hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, your marking lines on the wood for doing all your chisel stuff, they like to leave them in there because it shows that you did it by hand. The only mm-hmm. way you get those marking lines is if you do it by hand, because if you do it with a saw, you don't need those marking lines. Mm-hmm. So I kind of leave those in, and then when I look at something that's old, I'm like, oh, there's the marking lines they leave in, because it, it leaves a nice little groove in the wood, and when they stain it, it turns up darker in that spot than others, so I kind of know what those are now. Well, that's pretty cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm having fun with that. Well, fancy stuff, man. It takes a lot longer. Yeah. Anything I think else? I spent four hours chiseling outside for a box yesterday. <laughs> oh, geez. So it definitely takes yeah. longer for sure, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I like get to wear your cunt knuckles right out. <laughs> I did. Like, I mean, I even made my own handmade mallet so I don't hit my knuckles as much. Mm. But, yep. <laughs> and how about you matt what's what have you been doing over the last week pretty much the same uh working not doing a whole lot um i do want to change my name to dick fingers though i think oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can be a partner <laughs> and that'd be a good match so maybe i'll do that this week go down and change my name uh, <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like uh, you guys are the perfect pair to have on the show. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, you recorded the pre-show, didn't you, Dan? I did indeed. So you'll have to throw something at the end so people get this joke. Okay, I will, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise I think they would be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah. Uh, and the, now they'll just have to wonder what the fuck we're talking about the whole show, and then they'll get it at show, the end. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So it makes them listen to us drivel on for an hour. We'll, we'll keep them all in suspense. <laughs> <laughs> so I did indeed go golfing on Tuesday. And which, oh yeah? which shirt did you wear? So, so kind of a fun story. Um, so first, I, I did go golfing Tuesday and had my ass handed to me because it was like the second either second or third round I've played all year. And it's been, you know, a couple months between the last round that I played. So I was very much out of practice. And the guy that I played against has been playing consistently every week. And uh, I think he said he plays on the weekends also every now and then and whatever. So he's been playing much more than I have. And golf is one of those sports where you have to practice and play Mm -hmm. at at a pretty regular pace to maintain your skills and, and get things dialed in and, and have a consistent game. So Monday rolls around and, you know, I was still a little nervous about going out in public and playing through a bunch of different scenarios in my head of how it was going to be and what I would need to do to maintain safety and all of that kind of stuff. Excuse me. And I, I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to be wearing a shirt that 
you know, I'm going to be, it's going to be perhaps a little confrontational and I don't know this guy. I don't know. And I don't know who else we're going to be paired with. And I don't want it to be a hugely contentious thing. So I'll wear a more subtle shirt, right? Uh, it'll be, it'll be basically saying the same things and, and could be a, a little controversial for some people, but a fairly innocuous. So initially I thought I would wear the shirt that I got that has the rainbow lettering and on the shirt, it just says science is real. Black lives matter. No human is illegal. Love is love. Women's rights are human rights and kindness is everything. So the shirt that I wore to the Salt Lake pride festival a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I recently bought another new one. That's the same, but is new. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well I'll wear that one. And then as the day wore on, I, you know, logged into social media and saw that a black man had been killed in Minneapolis by the police. And that this was mm-hmm. this really awful, terrible, horrible thing that had happened. And a bunch of people were very upset by it and I'm busy with a bunch of other stuff. And so, you know, I thought, Oh God, that's fucking terrible. Another black man killed by police. And you know, this was later in the day and I got busy with doing other stuff around the house and chatting with Tracy and the dogs and just, you know, doing the normal routine stuff. And Tuesday, um, I took a couple hours off work so that I could go. I knew that I hadn't been golfing for a while and figured I would need to warm up. I was going to hit the range and go and hit some balls and everything. So I get off work and log into social media just to see what's going on and see, you know, even more people talking about this case. And I was like, Oh, well I need to figure out what's going on here. Read more, you know, read more stories about it, watch some videos, whatever. And I watched uh, a video that I think when I saw it was five or six minutes long. So it wasn't the entire full length video, but I watched Mm -hmm. the, the video of this cop, putting his knee on the neck of George Floyd and keeping it there, saw him gasping for air, drooling, saw the, the, the wetness moment of life left. Yeah. Saw the wetness rolling out from under the police vehicle because he had wet himself, had his bladder had released. Um, often that happens in times of extreme fear or duress. Uh, and also at the end of, and at the end of a person's life, they often, their bowels will, will release and yeah, their, their, and their, their bladder as well. Their muscles release. Yeah. And I watched him cry out in pain and say he couldn't breathe, beg for his mother. This is a grown ass man on the ground begging for his mother to come and help him. And I watched him slowly die there on the road with the cop's knee on his neck while another cop was protecting this cop while he's doing this and people Mm -hmm. are filming it and telling the police, you know, that they need to get off of him, that he's under duress, that he may be dead at this point. He needs medical attention. And they were, the police were unmoved by it. So I watched this whole video. I watched them snuff out this man's life on, on, a video that is taken by a bystander and I was beside myself with anger, just raging. And of course, Tracy was still working. So I've, you know, I finished watching that video 
got up, went and took off the shirt that I had planned to wear and changed into uh, another shirt that has giant bold lettering on it that says black lives matter more than white feelings. Check your privilege. And that's the shirt that I ended up wearing <laughs> to the golf tournament. Because, and how was that received? Well, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I sent a message to Tracy at the time. Let me see if I can find the message I sent her. Um, so I sent her one, one message and then just before I left. So I sent her a message at two nineteen PM that says, <laughs> I just watched the video of Minneapolis police killing an unarmed black man by putting their knee on his neck. Fuck subtle. I changed my shirt <laughs> and then I went golfing and got my ass handed to me. Uh, it was a match play tournament. I think I explained that last week. I think the, the highest score that you can be beaten by or that anybody can win a match play tournament is 10 and eight which means that the, the person won the match, they've won 10 holes and there are eight holes remaining. And so there's no way for uh -huh. the, for their competitor to catch up at that point. Right. 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 I believe I ended up losing eight and six, which is oh. uh, <laughs> just, mm. just barely below the 10 and eight. So yeah, I got my ass handed to me. I think, I don't think I, I can't remember if I won any holes or not. I think I may have won a single hole up until he beat me. And then I won a couple after that, but I struggled pretty hard early on in the round. I ended up shooting a total of, I think one eleven that day, which is fucking terrible for me. Mm. And it's because I'd been really out of practice. Hadn't gone golfing for quite a while. And he, yeah. he was a decent enough guy. It seemed, um, he, at, toward the end of the round. So we'd played the front nine and it was, you know, he was up <laughs> at that point by quite a bit and we're making the turn and he just stops and he asked me, he's like, Oh, so uh, are you retired? And I said, Oh God, no, definitely not. No, I'm not retired. And, <laughs> you know, explain, explained what I do for a living to him. And, and then I said, well, how about you? What do you do? Knowing full well <laughs> his history, you know, yeah. I just said, what do you do? And he's like, Oh, I worked in law enforcement for, 30 years. And, and then I retired from there. Didn't, of course, didn't mention anything about his, about a lot of his history. Um, and then, uh, he said he started working at job Corps, and huh. I don't know how familiar you guys are with job Corps. I, I know what job Corps is. So job Corps. my limited understanding of what job Corps is, is that it's, a kind of a tech school or trade school for indigent youths or youths with a history of, uh, criminality, you know, minor, yeah. mm -hmm. minor criminal infractions. And it's, it's like a, a start over kind of type thing. Like, Hey, we're going to give you the opportunity to like, you know, you may have been dealt the wrong cards, but here's a place to go to actually learn a trade or education. And yeah, it's like a rehab program for troubled youths, basically. And it's not just for youths from Utah. Apparently they travel here from across the U S and oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that either until talking to this guy while we're playing. I think he said he started out there doing security or something like that. And he said, and then they decided that they wanted to actually put me to work. So now I work in HR and, <laughs> and I just, and I'm thinking to myself, well, that probably isn't 
the best idea. I wonder if they know. Right place. I wonder if they know no. this guy's history. <laughs> so, so anyway, then he says, um, you know, and it's been really sad with all of the pandemic going on that they had to send a lot of their kids back to wherever they came from because they couldn't house all of them uh, at the facility. He said yeah. that they were able to, I think he said that they identified a handful of kids that basically had nowhere to go back to, like they had no home other than Job Corps. And so yeah. they are still staying there and they managed to maintain a skeleton crew of people uh, at Job Corps to, you know, cook and clean and do all of the day-to-day routine stuff to help support these kids as while they're there. And then he said that it was really unfortunate. Um, he said he was heartbroken to hear recently that one of the kids that they had to send back, I think he said that uh, they sent him back to Kentucky and a 24 year old kid. He said, actually he looked quite a bit like you, you know, he's a bigger guy with a ruddy complexion and red hair. And uh, he, he got the virus and I'm like, Oh Jesus. He okay? uh-huh. And he said, no, he actually died from oh from the virus and i said oh shit apparently this kid was 24 years old sent back to kentucky Damn. got the virus and died so that was very unfortunate like he would have been safer being able to stay at job corps i guess they they sent home those who had a place to go and those who didn't were those who did not were able to stay but yeah so when you yep. hear you know yeah, when you hear people saying that this only affects older people, that's definitely not the case. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I drive by that area where job corps is at, it reminds me of like an old, like military academy. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I don't know if that's what that place had been before or something, but it, it looks like a 1980s film, uh, military academy. Yeah. Yeah. Like barracks and mm. yeah. Old buildings. Yeah. So that was sad. Oh, yeah. But uh, there, there's a whole lot that's gone on this week. Oh, yeah. It's just going crazy. It's almost like I, I was going to make a joke about, oh, what would you guys like to talk about this week? Or what should we talk about this week? What's been going on? But I think it's yeah. pretty obvious. A lot of the topics What's that we're going, going to on? be, yeah, what we'll be talking about this week because everybody's talking about them. And we'll give you our take on them after this little break. Hey guys, this is Brandy Hamrick. I'm from Charleston, West Virginia. Contrary to popular belief, we don't all fuck our cousins and we didn't all vote for Trump. And you're listening to the Godless Revolution. Now I need to leave you where you'll be safe under the watchful eyes of God. And I'll be watching you too in case God's busy making tornadoes or not existing. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. And we're back. How are, how are you guys doing? Boy, it was such a long time in between. I know. Yeah. I mean, they don't realize it's a week later, do they? <laughs> <laughs> it has- that was a longer one, though. Yeah, it has been it has been a, a a little bit since we finished the opening of the show, and and we're coming back to this. I I was I had some things to do uh, briefly, well, and, and technologies are assholes sometimes. Yeah, yeah, we had to we had to restart our Skype session because it was freaking the fuck out. Um, but the biggest news of the week, uh, we we talked about it a little bit 
during the open of the show is the brutal murder of George Floyd at the hands of officer Chauvin from the Minneapolis, Minnesota police department. I uh, had him on the ground um, with his, with the officer's knee on his neck for right around nine minutes and yeah. snuffed out his life on the side of the road while being recorded. And while having an officer stand there and keep watch over the officer with his knee on the neck of this unarmed black man. Well, then the other two officers that were on his back. Yeah. That we don't really see in the recording. And yeah, it, it, it sort of makes you wonder what handcuffs are actually for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if they're supposed to keep officers safe and immobilize the, uh, suspect or whatever, then, uh, what's the point in going all this extra further, you know? Yeah. I mean, like the, the one officer has already been arrested. And like I was talking with Matt earlier that if I went out, if I went out and I grabbed Matt, we're, we're going out for a night on the town and I commit a crime. Not only am I in trouble, but Matt's in trouble because he's an accessory to that crime. So those other officers that did nothing, should be an accessory to this crime. At least, yeah. Yeah. Because they could have stopped him. They could have gotten off the guy's back. They could have prevented the death. But no, they still took part in it. Yep. So. Yeah, they could have, they could have stopped him at any time and just said, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't be on the, his neck while he's on the ground. They, yeah. they just they, they could have done so many other things beside continue holding him down and watch the life they could have, ebb away. <laughs> they could have just handcuffed him and let him stand there well, like a human being. If you like the other videos from the uh, surrounding stores, in one of them you see them. They bring him out. They they handcuff him. They sit him on the ground. He's sitting there for a while, and they get him up. They go over to the car, and that's when they slam him to the ground. But from the videos, it's like. What was the provocation to slam him to the ground? Well, they hadn't gotten any fun yet. And they said, well, he was resisting arrest. I'm like, well, it doesn't fucking look like that in the video from the storefront in the area. He seemed to be complying with your orders the whole fucking time. Yeah, I've seen one also, video. Also, resisting arrest is not a capital crime. Yeah, yeah, you no. shouldn't die for resisting arrest. And and I've... I did see one video where it looked like they were struggling with him in the back of the, of the police vehicle. Like, uh, from the angle, it, it looks like they've got him in the back of the police vehicle at one point and there's a struggle going on inside and okay. Yeah. But, but that's, it, it was like a 30 second clip that I saw of, uh, I think it was Chauv- uh, Chauvin on, the driver's side of the vehicle. So the camera angle, if I'm remembering correctly, is looking down and toward the front of the vehicle. And they've got both rear doors of the vehicle open. You can see that there are people on the passenger side, but you can't see them very well. And then all that you can see of who I believe is Chauvin on the driver's side, you can really only see his legs and okay. or portions of his legs and you know there's a very there's a very wide stance 
not not to go all Idaho legislature on you, but there's a there's a wide <laughs> there's a wide stance, um, and it it looks like he's you know you can see the vehicle rocking around and moving a little bit, so there's clearly some kind of struggle going on. But I you know you don't see the video that leads up to that or the video that comes immediately afterward, and so it's you know I I can't really tell what happened there other than that there was apparently some kind of struggle going on in the vehicle at some point. And then it must be after that, that he's taken out of the vehicle and put on the ground and just held there and suffocated until he dies. Um, yeah. I mean, it's my opinion, my opinion that if he wasn't resisting all the way up to being put a handcuff taken outside being put in the vehicle like what happened inside the vehicle that then made him all of a sudden be like i'm not going to do this where he had every opportunity before that to fight with the cops but he didn't Hmm. well yeah and, and i mean apparently the reason that he was stopped and you know detained in the first place is because it was reported that somebody was or that he was trying to use a counterfeit a fake 20 dollar bill yeah a counterfeit 20 dollar bill and from what I understand also, and, and I hope everybody under, who is listening to this understands that by the time you listen to this, there will probably be more information available and we may be getting things wrong. So if we do, please let us know so that we can correct our thinking if you haven't heard us mention anything differently since, since then. But it's my understanding that, you know, it was reported that somebody was trying to use a counterfeit $20 bill and that was the ostensibly the reason that they used uh to to pull him over and detain him in the first place and then later yeah. we find out that it wasn't even a, a counterfeit bill it was just somebody who called that in saying that and so he loses his life over fucking nothing oh. yep not, yeah. nothing at all i hadn't i hadn't heard that that he didn't actually that the counterfeit bill thing was bogus i hadn't heard that yet yeah, and that's, even even if he did though, even if he he did do it, that's still not that still doesn't justify it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Even yeah, even if he had been passing around counterfeit bills for weeks, that's no excuse right. for the officer to kill him in the middle of the road in broad daylight. Yeah, yeah. and take ten minutes to do it. Yeah, and just I, I mean you you can see the life just ebbing away and seeping out of him while he's there on the ground. The officer yeah. had to have known that that was happening. And then you feel him stop struggling. You yeah. feel the guy go limp at some point. Yeah. There are minutes after he stops struggling that the officer still stays on top of him, still stays on his neck. I, th- I think they estimated in the actual filing for the arrest that he had been, he left his knee on his neck for at least two minutes after he had stopped breathing. And that just kills me. It, it, you know, in, in the movies all the time, they show people, you know, choking somebody out or putting a pillow over their face or whatever. And they make it seem like you can kill somebody in just a matter of, of seconds Seconds. by choking them out or suffocating them. Right. When the reality is it, it does take several minutes in order Mm -hmm. to suffocate somebody to death. Yeah. And, and, I've, I've heard it said in, you know, watching different things about like serial killers or somebody who has killed somebody through strangulation that 
when the person who kills somebody through strangulation, they know, you know, usually they understand that the person isn't dead initially when they first stop moving. Yeah. They may just have been, they, they may just be unconscious. They're, they're, they passed out. Yeah. Because of lack of oxygen. And yeah. so they'll stay what, on them what? until they're dead, which mm-hmm. to me would indicate that the officer, I mean, he, he obviously knows and can tell that he has stopped struggling, but he stays on yeah. top of him anyway. Yep. And so I understand completely the, the want the want and desire and drive for people to insist that, you know, a- after all of this has happened, it took them a couple days to arrest Chauvin. And when they did, they have charged him with third degree murder and manslaughter. And a lot of people are rightly upset that it's just third degree murder versus first degree murder and or or even second yeah or even second degree murder and it's my understanding that and of course i'm not an attorney but it's my understanding that they are are using uh the charges of third degree murder and manslaughter because the bar is so high for first degree murder that they would have to prove premeditation and planning yeah in which is which is why it can't be first because first degree is like he had to have planned that day he was going to go out there and kill somebody yeah he, he the first degree is out yeah he premeditated murdering so and not even necessarily just someone in general but this person in particular i planned yeah. to kill this person and so that's a really really high bar to meet and i don't know i think i think the prosecutors well, are I, kind of in a hard spot my, here uh, my understanding of first degree murder is you could get somebody with intent for one second before the murder. So if they pick up the gun, that's intent. And then they shoot and kill somebody. That's first degree. You could get them for first degree for that. Yeah. So in, intent doesn't have to be like 24 hours beforehand. And they written, wrote it down in their journal and all this stuff. I think that his intent is the fact that he stayed there for two extra minutes. Yeah. And, and well past the time that people had been telling him, for quite he's a while and, and repeatedly that, you know, he's, he's unresponsive. He's not breathing. You need to get off of him. We mm-hmm. need to check him to make sure he's okay. And of course he, he didn't. And what? Oh, did you even hear the one person yelling? I can't remember if they were an EMT or a nurse or what they were, but they're young. Like, Hey, I'm a such and such. He's not breathing. Check his pulse. Like he, I, I can obviously see he's not breathing. Check his pulse. Help him. And the cops like, no, get away. Well, and then they lied. They lied on the official police report about what happened. Oh, shocker. Yeah. So, and again, this is my understanding from reports that I've seen that on the police report, the official police story is that he was alive after all of this and died after he was released from police custody, you know, that he was uh-huh. taken in an ambulance and then no. he, that he died there, that he was resisting arrest uh-huh. and that he, he didn't die while the police were there. It was that he died later. So they fucking lie yeah. in the official police report. Had there not been somebody there recording all of this, who's to say what would have happened? They may have gotten off completely yeah. free. You can yeah, tell exactly. That's, that's how they get away with it all the time. That's why, I mean, the, the thing is, whoever made that police report should also be charged. Yeah, absolutely. For, that's filing a false 
police report, right? That's that's a crime if I mean if that's, regular that's citizens what it would do be it. for a normal citizen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it shouldn't but be any different. They, for the they have different rules. Yeah, yeah, it shouldn't be any different for the police. So they kill him on the side of the road or in the road, and then they lie about killing him. And had somebody not been there to record it all, who knows what would have happened. And it, again, it's my understanding that you know they've they've filed the charges of manslaughter and third degree murder, with the understanding that there is a really high bar for first degree murder. And maybe there's also, you know, I'm not sure what the circumstances are required for a charge of first or second degree. These, these are all, you know, my, my layman's understanding of it, but the, the prosecutors have filed for third degree murder and manslaughter with the understanding that in the past, when they've tried to, uh, when they've come at people with uh, more intense charges, say of, of first or second degree murder, because that bar is set so high, juries are less apt to convict somebody for that. And so then the person ends up going scot-free. So it was the conscious yeah. decision to charge him with third degree and manslaughter yeah. in hopes of actually getting a conviction in this case. Well, he'll never, he'll never see a jury. According to this, like, so second-degree murder is generally defined as an intentional murder that lacks premeditation, is intended to only cause bodily harm, or demonstrates an extreme indifference to human life. The exact Perfect. legal definition is, may vary by jurisdiction. That's exactly what it was. And that's, that's for what I think degree? it was. Cause, yeah, because first-degree is having the intent. Uh, then yeah. third-degree murder is... The exact uh, statutory definition of third-degree murder is the unlawful killing of a human being when uh, predetermined without any design to affect death by a person engaged in the perpetration of or in the attempt of attempt to perpetrate any felony other than the 19th emolumated category of felonies. That's that's but, a lot of legalese. <laughs> so it, it sounds like uh, second degree means you overdid it and killed the person without having the intent to kill him. Uh, I, I'm not so sure. But, yeah, I mean, but, but the fact that they put in there that the indifference to human life is exactly yeah. what it was. The fact that they just all sat, sat, stood there and ignored pleas and, and the crowd and medical professionals and everything else. I don't know. They, they, <laughs> if they're not going to use their handcuffs appropriately, what should happen is that every police officer that goes out on a call should be handcuffed to a paramedic. And the, <laughs> the other problem here too, is looking at the, I'm just looking at him there. He doesn't, he's not wearing a body cam. Who, him, who Chauvin? Yeah. So unless there was a camera recording backwards into the car, we don't know what happened in that vehicle. Or if the other two officers who were also on scene, well, any, any of the other and officers that, who were on scene may have had a body camera. Yeah. You watch too, that, that whatever situation went down in the car is going to be their, their big, they're going to push on that the hardest. They're going to say all kinds of stuff about Floyd and what he was doing in the car to provoke it. 
So, I mean, once he's in the vehicle, if he's acting up in the vehicle, seatbelt him and close the door. He's locked in. Don't pull him the fuck back out. But they want to. Which is where they got to show be. their authority. Third degree, because you now pulled him out of a vehicle, showing intent to do something to him. Like, okay, you want to you want to play around? I'm gonna fucking fuck your day up even more. Well, and their defense would probably yeah. be that you know, if he was in the vehicle and and causing any problems, that they were trying to protect you know this property that he may have been damaging or destroying if they were to just leave him in the car. But I don't think that that is a valuable or valid defense. To say, so we killed him. Yeah. He was destroying the inside of a police vehicle, so we held him on the ground until he fucking died. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that... But now we have have the blowback from these actions. People that are pissed off. A lot. Yeah. A lot of them, rightfully so. Uh, I may not agree 100% with the actions some of them are taking. I do. Burn it all down. (laughs) Well, I do kind of agree with burn it the fuck down uh, in some ways. Uh, but, like, there was the, the instance, I mean, I understand that they, they are fucking pissed off at cops. And there are some police in some areas that are doing this the right way. I don't know if you guys saw the sheriff in Michigan at all who went to the protesters and said, hey, I'm taking my gear off. I took my helmet off. We're putting our batons. We're putting all of our weapons away. And he basically went and said, we don't want to have a protest. We want to have a parade. We are going to go march with you in the streets and say, this has to stop. So the sheriff joined the protest. And that's happened. I've seen that happen in a couple other places, too, where the sheriffs have said, the cops are like, no, that's fucking wrong. We agree with you. We're going to join you in this protest. Hmm. And there hasn't been any damage. Well, that proves Uh, that that there's there's a handful of good apples, then. Yeah, I mean, but they're not, it's also, not the other way around. Like, like they want to say. Yeah, but I mean, it, it takes away the chance for people to be like, we want to be destructive and we want to destroy the stuff. And it's usually like the police cars in Salt Lake yesterday. Or that fucking crazy guy with the bow and arrow. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that too, I guess. But yeah, but it, it, it's the responsibility of the police departments all over to correct everything with the citizens. It's not up to the citizens to try to make it right. The cops are the ones that are doing it. They're the ones that are killing people. Yeah, which which is why I, I like seeing these areas where the, the police are trying to do the right thing and be like, yeah, we agree with you and we're going to join you in this. Or I think it was Louisiana, I want to say, where the police chief said, if you agree with what happened to uh, uh, George Floyd, hand your badge in right now. We don't want you on the police force. If you look at that and don't see a problem, hand your fucking badge in. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> but but I, I guess the intent, the intent, the is, intent is like, we don't want you here. If you agree with this action, we don't want you to fucking this job. Get the fuck out. And hopefully that so will that, work to weed out at least some of them. I mean, at least it's showing where he stands, that they will, he won't stand by any of this kind of action, this kind of treatment of other people. At least, at least for the media. Well, I hope he acts on it. If he has officers that he catches on Facebook or any social media being praising what happened to George Floyd, fucking fire him. Well, and I, I think it's great that they're doing that now, but this isn't the first fucking time that this has happened either, right? No. It's not even the first time it happened in that city. 
Philando yep. Castile was killed there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so it's, I, while I appreciate the sentiment, I think it's great that, that the police chief is doing things like that. Why was he not saying these things months, you know, weeks or months or years ago? Or even the first time this show been killed somebody or got a brutality complaint. Yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. I've seen reports that he had, what was it like 19? Uh, yeah. So I want to say it was around, right around 20 complaints that they won't make public. He, I can't remember the, what years they happened or the right order, but there was a case where he and other officers basically discharged their weapon. He unloaded his gun on a guy killing him. And then there's another black man that he shot that survived. That's another problem too, is the transparency or lack thereof. We should have all those records public all the time. We should be able to go and look up every single thing a police officer does on duty. Yeah, especially if it's an official report of Whenever police we want. brutality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, there's, there shouldn't be any of this. We're not going to release it. The fuck you aren't. Well, hopefully it gets made public through trial, but that's all we can fucking hope for right now. He'll never see a jury. It'll be the grand jury that, that quits him. I, I, in this case, if that happens, shit's going to get worse. Yeah. Well, they I, don't care. Yeah. I don't, well, I think they care if, no, if for no other reason than for all of the property damage and all of the, all of basically just all of the cost associated with people who are going to be so upset that they would be out in the streets riding. If but for that, no other that reason, that's, that's part them. of why they care. That has nothing to do with the police though. They don't, they don't have to pay for any of that. Well, but the police also don't control the courts, right? So they're, you know, the, oh, well, the, the police may, there's a little bit of a debate about that, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the police may present whatever case they want, but it's, you know, they're, they're not the judges. They're not the grand jury. They're not the prosecutors that though their cozy relationship they are, with though. all of those. Yeah. Is they, they basically are. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and, and during, during the grand jury stage, they don't even, there's not even going to be a defense in there. It's just going to be, it's just going to be the police. And I mean, the grand jury and the prosecutor, right. With the, isn't that how it works? One of the two sides doesn't get to show up. I think they both, for a grand jury, they both show up, but it's not like an actual trial. They both get to prevent their, show their side. There isn't like a cross-examination, the witnesses and all that kind of stuff. It's like, hey, here's our case. Uh, what do you think? That's how I always thought grand juries went. Because you have a grand jury, and the grand jury convicts, then you go to a trial where you have witnesses and everything else. Am I incorrect in that? I don't know. I'm looking it up. Yeah, and I I don't know either. So I've just been kind of quiet because I I just don't know, and I don't want to <laughs> I don't I don't want to be making speculative assumptions about stuff that I really don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So the grand jury is a body that investigates criminal conduct. Federal, state, and county prosecutors utilize grand juries to decide whether people whether probable cause exists to support criminal charges. Yeah. So. Yeah, the grand jury is basically is to say, yeah, we agree the charges should stand or not. Yeah, so they're prosecutors. Pretty much, but I, th- I thought in some no, places they are. you That's could be what picked. It yeah, but I thought in some states you could be picked to be a part of a grand jury, just like a jury duty type thing. I don't know. I don't. Well, and so my question is, like a civilian oversight. 
And so my question would be, so it's it, a whole bunch is of prosecutors something... that are all friends with the cops that get to sit there and decide whether the charges are going to be brought or not. Well, my question would be if, if a grand jury is the, is the body that determines whether charges will be brought or not, then there, we, we already know that charges have been filed. So yes. where would a grand jury come into play in any of that? Yeah, I think this is. I think that's book. the next step. Well, we'll, well see. The the grand jury would decide if charges should be filed. Yeah, they've already filed charges. Right. So okay. I, I don't think okay. a grand jury so, uh, would uh, even maybe, come into play. Maybe then, right? maybe they skip that step. So a grand jury could decide: Do we want to add charges or not? Like, have we? Has this gone far enough, or have we not? Like, is there more to this that we can charge, or is this all we got? Well, we'll see. All I know is that there's been a number of cases where police have been charged and nothing's ever happened. So, yeah. I mean, a ton of times where they are innocent or found innocent. Yeah. Acquitted. Yeah. yeah that's what, what I'm saying. And I, I think what sets this, this case uh, apart from those others, though, are the number of officials who have come out and said, no, this was murder these people should be fired immediately. You know, these people are fired immediately. We're not even going to put them on paid suspension or leave or anything like that. They are fired and we are, and we've pressed charges against them and a ton of political leaders and other police officers across the U S all coming out and condemning it. And I think we've seen much, much larger numbers of those types of responses in this case than we have in any prior case of police brutality or murder of person of persons of color. So, I mean, this, this, this has been boiling for a long time. Have we finally boiled over? I'm not so sure to say, I'm not ready to say we have yet. I want to see, I want to see a full on prosecution first. I want to see it go all the way to prison. Uh, I mean, until that happens, I'm not, I'm not ready to believe that it's going to be a different case. Uh, although, although some of the stuff leading up to it is more encouraging than other cases. Yeah. My name is Mandisa Thomas, and I am the founder and president of Black Nonbelievers Incorporated here in Atlanta, Georgia. You may find us at blacknonbelievers.org. You can also find me on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Mandisa Latifa. And you are listening to The Godless Revolution. I wish you'd come to church with us, sweetheart. Church? I'd rather play golf on the holiest day of the week. Oh, finally, a character I can relate to. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! We could sit here all day, you know, speculating and offering conjectured points on stuff that yeah let's do that stuff that we that we don't really know or we could talk about some yeah. of the things that we do know and and you know talk about how we feel about them and why we think certain things may or may not be wrong the, the other Fair parts enough. of this of course are that the the death of of this man has caused widespread protests that have led to riots in several different locations. Yeah. Uh, in, mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it's not only national protests now, they're protesting in London over this. Oh, yeah? It's gone global? Yeah. Gone global. Mm. Our friends across the pond. Yep, I saw that this morning that there were protests in London for George Floyd. 
Well, good. Huh. I, I think the more pressure that can be brought on this, the better. Yeah, Spike and Dan, get out there. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at you, two skeptical chaps. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it, it has sparked protests and riots across the country, uh, including here in our happy little hamlet of Salt Lake City, where yeah. basically nothing like this ever happens. I mean, there's protests, but it usually it doesn't get to this level of uh, flipping over police cars and burning them. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Yeah, I I was watching some of the reports yesterday while I was working in the yard and garage and, you know, coming into the house to get water and, and taking little breaks here and there and was just yeah blown away, flabbergasted, you know, mouth agape at all of the different reporting that I was seeing. Um when when I like I watched live as the protesters overturned the Salt Lake City police uh, vehicle and then started throwing fireworks in there, stomping on it, set it on fire and, and it burned to the ground. And yeah, I was just, you know, checking in periodically to look at different reporting that was going on and was having a hard time reconciling in my brain that this was actually happening in Salt Lake City on, yeah. you know, roads that I've walked on, you know, I've, I've stood on that corner. I've walked on that portion of the road. I've gone to the library. We've been to the Dunkin' Dunkin'. Like all of these things that's right across from Washington square where the pride festival should be happening or should have happened. But with the pandemic, that's not going to happen. Like these are our stomping grounds, the places that I can instantly recognize exactly where that place is and think about times that I've been there. And it's just, I don't know. It shocked the conscience to see this happening in my own city. And it's probably not over. Yeah. And so go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, speak, you know, specifically about the Salt Lake riots or whatever. I had a uh, message on Instagram, not, not to me, but there was a, just somebody posted a Instagram message about it. Um, basically just whining. I'll read it to you. For all of those, for all of you who wonder why the police feel like they're at war, I guess you should be able to see why after today. Our officers are under attack 24-7 and only the negative do you hear about. The media only finds the negative out of police situations. It's time that we as law enforcement get the support from the public, not being attacked by them. We're here to serve and protect you. That's why most of us chose this career path not to be attacked by those who are supposed to be protecting. We're supposed to be protecting. What a fucking whiny complaint that is. And the, fi- the thing is, the <laughs> sorry if people don't love you in your job. I mean, nobody, does, nobody cares about my job either. But the other thing is, you fucking started this. This yeah. is all about the murder of a citizen by a police officer again. It's, it's the whole paternal brotherhood idea. Yeah, you but keep this is why it's their responsibility yeah, that's, that's, to, that's change, what to change the attitude of the public. Not that's just to demand that we respect them. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's, that's it's not that, how it works. It's that fraternal brotherhood that they, they have where they keep protecting these people that do bad things. Like, if you keep bad people in your ranks, this is going to keep happening. Yep. I, I wonder how many cops around here even know that that happened in Minneapolis. Or if they just think that we're just out after the cops again. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I've wondered that too. Um, I, I, I have a few Facebook friends who are in law enforcement or officers, 
And uh, in looking at their timeline, they're obviously aware of it. But I know in the past, uh, the three of us have talked about a few instances where it didn't, you know, other cases that didn't happen here locally, but in talking with people who we know uh, are in law enforcement you know, would complain about us complaining about law enforcement, but they had no fucking idea what we were even complaining about. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They didn't, they didn't even know that these high profile cases had been going on around the country. And, and, you know, yeah, it's, it's a kind of blindness to the corruption within their own ranks, right? Like they're, they're obviously not, I don't, going out and seeking to find these these types of instances but they're also completely tone deaf and blind to seeing others talk about it i don't know how they don't have meetings about it chief of police should be getting together and saying hey this is what's going on you know have a status report yeah you know say hey these are situations this is what we don't do this is what we, we don't want to attract negative attention so you know let's be current let's be aware let's be sharp well, it, I, I mean, how are they not doing that? Yeah, like in their daily briefings, why are they not being made aware of, hey, this shit happened and the public is really fucking upset about it, if for no other reason than to say you guys need to be more careful out there, like watch your own backs and each other's backs more. This should be something that they sure. should be talking about in their own ranks just for their own fucking protection, let alone awareness know, of how the public is perceiving them, right? It's impossible to imagine that they're that inept, but... It's crazy. I mean, this this is a big part of the reason why it continues to happen. I'm sure of it, because it's not being talked about when it does happen. Yeah, sweep it under the rug. Yeah, and and uh, you know, for all their talk of, and I say all of their talk, clearly there are good officers and bad officers. When I, but for all of their talk about, oh, it's a few bad apples. Well, then you should be working your ass off to ferret out those bad apples so that it doesn't taint everybody's perception of you. Right. Yeah. And and the problem is it's not, that's, that's just a total lie because when you see somebody like Chauvin, there's always two or three or four or five other officers in almost every single one of these cases, there's multiple officers involved and only one of them actually perpetrates the event. But all the other ones are in complete support or, or acting in a supporting role. Mm-hmm. You know, Chauvin was on his neck, other two officers on his back. They're complicit. <laughs> other, yeah. other officers standing around holding the crowd back. They're complicit. This is maybe Chauvin is a bad apple, but now these other guys are all bad apples too because they're protecting him. For, so, yeah, for allowing and, him to do it. Yeah, this, and this is how it goes all the way up to the top in the fact that they won't release any records about it. They won't release any records about Chauvin. They won't release any records about... So it's it's the entire department. If if they don't speak up about things going wrong in their department, they're also in the wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and a lot of the time... The new bad apple thing is bullshit. Yeah, well, and a lot of the time, like you said, it's not even even a question of, you know, them them just being, you know, standing by and allowing something to happen. Often they actively work to cover shit up. And if... You want yeah. to ferret out bad apples. That's not the fucking way you do it, right? If there are no. only a few bad apples, then that would be ferreted out, and we would have this information much much more clearly and openly available to everybody, and all of the other officers would have no fucking problem with that. It's not just a yeah, few it, bad yeah. apples. Yeah, it seems to be the case that there's only a few good apples. I think that's what we're seeing increasingly, yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember growing up and watching a bunch of different movies about, you know, a bunch of different cop movies. And there's always the familiar trope of, you know, oh, IA is looking into this. Internal Affairs is looking at you. <laughs> and Internal Affairs, oh, uh-huh. well, they're just a bunch of turncoats and traitors to our fellow brothers in blue. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and sometimes it may work out that way, but that's when the cases are so fucking bad that there's no possible way for them to hide the information anymore. You know, when, when like in Serpico, where you've got an entire structure of officers protecting bad officers, they're all fucking bad then. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a tweet, um, something along the lines of, if you have, a thousand good officers and 10 bad officers and nobody in the 1000 officers says anything bad about the 10 bad officers, then you've got a thousand and 10 bad officers. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the point. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing is if there, there is some wiggle room for ignorance, not that that should be accepted, but there, there, there are officers who just don't have a clue what's going on. Like we just mentioned, Barney Fife, <laughs> and they're not—they're not necessarily bad. They're just—they just don't have a clue. Yeah, like I mean, there—I imagine that there are some people who can just be completely ignorant about some of these things. But I mean, if 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 I were an officer, I imagine that I would want to know about the rot in my own profession, just for my own yeah. sake, for my own protection, for my own awareness of knowing about the public perception about what is going on in my line of work. Right. Right. Instead of just being like, well, I don't really want to patrol with this guy. Cause he's kind of shady. Like, no, you should try to be like, Hey, this guy's not doing correct police work. Why the fuck is he working here? Yeah. Like for my own protection, I wouldn't just be a passive consumer of news about my profession. I would go act. Right. I, would, I would be actively seeking out problem spots so that yep. they could be identified and rooted out. Yeah. But if an area has got bad leadership and a bad, you know, I don't know if you call it like the sheriff or whoever is in charge of them that is also turning a blind eye to that, then you have an even bigger issue because that's just long that those actions to propagate and make the whole fucking police force rotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would want to know what's going on. It, I, I just, I don't understand how it, that is not a thing. And because I can't see why that's not a thing, I, I completely understand why so many people think that, you know, all cops are bastards. Yeah. Well, it's certainly irresponsible. You have such a big responsibility as an officer anyway, that you, you should be as, as studious and on top of all this stuff as you possibly can be because the stakes are so high, you know, so remaining ignorant about it is irresponsible, but Yeah. A thousand and ten bad officers. Yeah, I can't believe we we're all we're already out of time. We're actually over time <laughs> for the show, and there's so much more that I wanted to talk about. But well, uh, can I can I at least say congratulations to SpaceX? Yes. Yeah. Let's end with Congratu- a little bit of good news, shall we? Yeah. Congratulations, SpaceX, getting the first manned flight from the United States since the shuttle program shut down. They, uh, they docked with the International Space Station this afternoon. And, uh, yeah, progress to uh, humankind and uh, 
I'll just say that on the ISS, it doesn't matter what country you're from. Probably matters. They all a work little together. <laughs> Probably yeah. matters they, a little bit, but it's together, good that they're like, working together. Yeah. But they work together, and politics isn't an issue when you're a bunch of scientists trying to work on a space station together. Hopefully, that's not. And there's no cost there. There's just one Trump supporter up there. Got a fucking <laughs> lift card. He's like, "Fuck, it's not flat." <laughs> um. Well, and shit, I don't know if this will open another can of worms, but real quick, also, I want to mention that I've seen a lot of people be very upset at protesters for destroying property or, or for riots breaking out. And, you know, then that gets tied back to Antifa or Black Lives Matter when I've been seeing a ton of reports from actual government officials who are saying that, no, you know, in most cases that we're seeing, it's not Antifa, it's not Black Lives Matter, it's people who have infiltrated the the peaceful protests and have antagonized and started violence in order to start like a race war and, and discontent and yeah. to foment, you know, a bunch agitators. of anger. Yeah, uh, yeah, agitators. They're trying to just get people yeah. riled up and angry in order to lead to more chaos. I, I have yeah. seen people publish photos where there are people they've caught in the crowds wearing white supremacist logos. Yeah, I saw a picture earlier today from, uh, I can't even remember what the source was, but it showed a, a person standing in with the protesters, and it said that this person caused some bit of violence, and they had 88 on their sleeve. Yeah. Well, you notice that those people don't get pulled out and dragged to the street. Yeah. And yeah. killed. And well, killed. Well, and even here in Salt Lake. Okay, well, I guess we'll talk about it a bit more. <laughs> this will be a little bit longer <laughs> episode. But, you know, even here in Salt Lake, uh, I noticed that when the car was overturned, it was primarily white people doing that. When Oh, yeah. When it was set on fire, that was primarily white people doing that. And even if you're doing this in support of, you know, Black Lives Matter, in support of people of color and the injustices that have been historically leveled against them don't do this yourself because when when the protest is about black lives matter and how systemic racism has affected the lives of so many people to the point of murdering people in the middle of the road in broad daylight the best way to get your message across isn't to have a bunch of white people (laughs) showing oh well we're super angry too or or you know, some kind of performative allyship where they just get out there and, and start breaking shit because they think that's a good way to get their, their own virtue signals across to everybody that I'm so mad that I'll go and I'll break shit for these people. And that doesn't, but then you're not putting yourself in danger necessarily. You're reflecting poorly on the community that you're there ostensibly hoping to help. Or I don't know. I don't know if I totally agree. I mean, I I see your, I see your point, and and I think ideally that would be that would be correct. But I think we got to keep ramping it up until they get the fucking message. Well, sure, but I don't. If they're not if they're not going to stop doing it for protests and peaceful protests and fucking flip their cars, then right. Or I see the people doing the car flipping sometimes as the agitators. Yeah, until the they ag- get so sick of until they get so sick of dealing with the riots that they shape up well yeah but my point is that it's not 
that that a lot, in a lot of the cases that we're seeing where violence breaks out or property damage is is occurring and being instigated, it's not the the people who are there working for change and for protest and for peaceful protest who are doing these these things. It's outside agitators coming in in the hopes of sowing more division and chaos, right? They're not there hmm. in support of Black Lives Matter or in support of oh, people of color. They're, they're, they're there. American, they're they're, they're intentionally trying to make it look bad. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, that was my point. Yes. Well, then fuck them. Like the guy with the bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The dumb motherfucker yesterday here in Salt Lake who got out of his car with the fucking recurve bow and started pointing it at people. Yeah. And from the video, it's not entirely clear, but it looks like he may have gotten an arrow off at somebody who fell to the ground so before it, he had the shit kicked like out the, of him. The, the guy had <laughs> right up to the crowd, gotten out of his vehicle, pulled the bow out of his back vehicle, had the, had the, uh, the, the guard on his arm, ready to fire it, uh, put an arrow in it, yeah, he was an arrow pointing knocked. it at people. <laughs> yeah, and then a guy ran in and knocked the arrow out. Oh, is that what it was? That would be. All that I saw be, was a person. That would have to be so surreal to get shot by an arrow in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? In the middle of the city, no less. <laughs> yeah, I have a fucking arrow but, in my arm. The but fuck the is guy going claimed on? he pulled up there and was just said, "All lives matter," and they pulled him out of the car. Oh yeah, that would that's what he was claiming. Have you seen the yeah. additional footage of him from earlier in the day? I did not see from earlier in the day. No, I just saw I just saw the video of him when he pulled up there and grabbed his bow and arrow out and started threatening people with it. Oh yeah, so when we were having some technical difficulties before we started recording uh and it was just me and Matt on the phone, I was telling Matt that I have seen uh, a a completely separate video clip of this guy from earlier in the day where he just gets out of his vehicle in the middle of the road and he's got a giant Bowie knife in oh, in the description of the video. It was, it said that he's got a machete. It's, it's clearly not a machete. It's just a giant fucking knife, big knife that he's walking around threatening people with before the whole bow era, before he hopped out at a later point further down the road with his bow. Well, I, I, uh, I checked the guy's Facebook page out a little bit cause he doesn't keep it private. Oh my god, it's a total fucking train wreck, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Very rare. Yeah. Was he that loved... guy arrested? No, he was not. Not, not charged or anything. So uh, far. he loves yeah. to call Obama a chimpanzee quite a bit on his Facebook page. Yeah, Oof. he's he's super fucking racist and barely literate, and is also a yeah. giant Trump supporter. Like, good. yeah, I'm I'm shocked. Perfect. Yeah. Totally shocked. Speaking of level-headed leadership from our president, yeah. <laughs> uh, in in a time of crisis such as this, the uh, the tweet that he decided to send out was as as Dan helped me discover that was a was an old quote of George Wallace and uh, and goes back to the Civil War <laughs> that if the looting starts, the shooting starts. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is a, a nice way to calm people down and uh, and not stoke the fires. Yeah, so the, the first time that that phrase has been recorded um, was, was, by in, a racist? was was in the 60s. This is from NPR. 
uh, says the late 60s saw major riots oh. and uprisings in cities such as Detroit in response to police action against the black community. Um, Headley's use of the phrase is thought to have contributed to intensified race riots, including one of the most serious ones in Miami in 1980 when a black man, Arthur McDuffie, was beaten into a coma oh. by up to a dozen white Dade County police officers after he ran a red light on his motorcycle. He later died from his uh-huh. injuries. And this was, oh, man. so Headley was the head of the police force for 20 years and referred to his get tough policy on crime during a 1967 news conference as a war on young hoodlums from 15 to 21 who have taken advantage of the civil rights campaign. We don't mind being accused of police brutality. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well that, that just proves that there's no recourse there, that there's never been any repercussions because otherwise he'd be worried about it. Oh yeah. He, he knew that he could say it's like Trump saying that he could stand in the middle of fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and and his supporters wouldn't fucking care. Yeah. And they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't care at all. Yeah. And then it was later used by segregationist and famously racist piece of shit, George Wallace, during his 1968 campaign. Okay. Yeah. So good company there. Yeah. And it's not the first time that Trump has quoted George Wallace on something. Trump knows all of these fucking racist phrases from our past history that he regularly incorporates into his everyday lexicon. Yeah. And he doesn't know anything about any of the rest of our history. Yeah. Yeah. He's so fucking ignorant about so much of our other history, but for some reason knows all of these key racist phrases. It's very disturbing. I look forward to the day when he is no longer our president. Yeah, 2024 can't get here soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen. God, he's just such Let's a hope he's answer. at least out by then, though. Well, and in addition to that, he also tweeted out some bullshit from this fucking redneck with a microphone. I, I guess this guy is part of a band or something somewhere who said that the only oh, good Democrat is a dead Democrat. A dead Democrat, yeah. Yeah, he reposted the video. Yeah, the president fucking retweeted that shit. And of course the person in the video in that same video says, you know, the only good Democrat is, is a dead Democrat. And then he goes on to explain, well, and I don't mean, you know, I can already tell that the press is going to be, and I'm paraphrasing here. I can already tell that the press is going to spin this however they want. I'm not talking about actually killing somebody. I'm talking about them being dead politically. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and I'm sure that that, you know, subtle distinction is going to be easily picked up by Trump's dumb fuck supporters, right? Oh, yeah, that subtlety. They're so good at at nuance. Yeah, yeah. Subtlety and nuance is their their jam, man. They're all about that. It's not just total black and white thinking. Right. Now, if the guy said the Democratic Party needs to die, that would be different than saying, Right. You know, like good Democrat is a dead deck Democrat. Right. Yeah, that's the Completely distinction. Different. He's talking about people. People versus yeah. the party as a whole. Yeah. He's that the Democratic Party needs to die and go away. That's one thing. When we says a demo- a good a Democrat as the person, yeah. Completely yeah. different fucking context. Yep. Yeah, well and then you've got Trump's national security advisor, uh, O'Brien you know, out on the Sunday news programs this morning, trying to tie all of the violence and rioting to Antifa. And when it's specifically brought to his attention 
that several different political leaders across the country have all reported the same thing about outside agitators coming into their cities to foment chaos in all of these protests. He says, oh, well, I haven't seen any of that. Pro- I haven't seen any of that reporting. Oh, I don't, haven't seen any of that information. You're the fucking national security advisor to the president, and you're fucking telling me that yeah. you haven't seen this information? And you're because repeating it and you're repeating it on successive shows when on a prior show somebody specifically brought it to your attention and then you still use that same stupid ass fucking oh. line in a later interview? You're either well, lying or you're fucking stupid. And I'm guessing it's both. Did you, did you miss that Trump hmm. labeled uh, Antifa as a terrorist organization today? <sighs> I'm getting really angry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he already had that. He already made an executive order today to label Antifa as a terrorist organization. <sighs> Things are just getting worse, man. Yeah, they are. Fast. Real fucking fast. I can't believe that all you're... of this shit has happened in less than a week. Yep. Less than a week. <laughs> Uh, we've still got good week. We've still got good more than week. half a year before the, before the fucking election happens. Yeah, Joe Biden's not going to beat Trump, though. Don't say that. I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm I, not going to say that. I no way. It's a weak, weak ass candidate. I'm going to vote for him. I think that kind of defeatism leads a lot of people to not go to the polls. When 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 we say things like that, I, I'm not talking about the universe or karma or anything like that. I'm talking about it actually affects people's state of mind. When we repeat defeatist phrases like that, it leads a lot of people to not go to the polls to vote him out. You're probably right. And, and so I try not to do that. And I try to bring it to other people's attention when they do it repeatedly, because it, it, it does affect people psychologically that they then yeah. feel defeated and they don't go out and vote. They don't participate. That's, that's why I say that's the, fair. I'll, I'll, I'll take that note. I'll change that. I say the only way to, to get rid of Trump is to vote blue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, really we have, you know, Joe Biden is the presumptive democratic nominee. He is the only yeah. candidate running who has a decent chance of beating Donald Trump. And so if you don't mm-hmm. vote for Joe Biden, then you're basically giving a vote to Donald Trump. You're, you're not canceling out a vote for Donald Trump. Let me put it that way. If you don't vote, yeah. you're not canceling out somebody else's vote that is going for Donald Trump. Yep. And as much as some people think they're being, they're holding to their morals by voting for a third party, you're just throwing your vote away. I'm, it's fucking true. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, if if you want to exercise your your bit of purity to to for whatever reason you don't want to vote for Joe Biden, understand that this is the most consequential election of your lifetime thus far. I can't think of mm-hmm. any other election that has such such importance in my lifetime let alone the lifetime of a lot of people that i see agitating who are much younger than me that they're not going to vote or they're going to vote for a third for a third party candidate or they're just not going to vote if you if you're not going to vote or you're going to vote for a third party candidate you're fucking not only yourself but everybody who is a disadvantaged minority who doesn't have as much privilege as you you're fucking over we don't all know of them how much long, for your little purity test. 
we don't know how much longer RGB can hold on to. RBG. Oh yeah. She she's holding out to get Trump out of office. Yeah, I really wish she would have retired while Obama was still in office. She they probably let, does too. Yeah. They once allowed him to <laughs> fucking put anybody up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. All right. These are dangerous times, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. I've I've just been like hyper focused and tried to be super serious about the imminent fucking danger that this president represents and how important mm-hmm. it is that he no longer be president. Because he's systematically dismantling our institutions of government and corrupting them, some of them beyond repair, unless he's removed this year during the during voting season. Yeah, it's yeah. it's terrifying. We, are, we like, are now completely cut off from the World Health Organization. Yeah, he's taken us out of the World Health Organization. He's taking he's taken us out of the Paris Climate Accords. He's talked about increasing our nuclear weapons. He's he's talked about yeah. testing nuclear weapons. He's talked about fucking yeah. using nuclear weapons. He's a fucking danger and we need to get him out of office through the ballot box. It's the only way. Yeah. Yeah, I just when when I when I see a lot of younger people saying that they can't or won't vote for Joe Biden or that they'll sit it out. It's, I just, I, it fills me with dread and despair that they are that fucking tied to their own purity tests and can't see beyond that and how their in their actions or inaction may lead to more suffering for other people who have mm-hmm. much less privilege. And I right. think that's a pretty shitty position to have for, for those people. And, and I you may not like, yeah, and it's so you may not like Biden, but it'll be less shitty with them. Yeah, and it's almost exclusively young white people that I see making comments like that. Just very disheartening. So anyway, that'll wrap things up for us this evening. Uh, I will be including some audio from uh, Brandy uh, for longtime listeners of the show, or if you've only been listening to the show for the past few months, you will have probably heard our interview with Brandy Hamrick, or at least heard us talking about uh, Brandy and that she was a patron of the show. And we donated, you know, our Patreon proceeds for three or four months last year uh, to her GoFundMe campaign because she was diagnosed with cancer that spread throughout her body and recently died. Um, When we had our initial interview with her, there was a, a bit of audio that was just a fun story that she asked us not to release as part of the episode. And I recently contacted her partner, Sam and, uh, cleared it with him, you know, asked him how he felt about us releasing this bit of audio. And he responded that he thinks it would be good to have it out in the public. And so I will be including that at the end of the show, um, for your listening pleasure. It was just a fun story that I think everybody could probably use right about now a a little bit of a little bit of happiness and good times in during simpler times (laughs) Uh, before we go though I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters that would be Alan Firth Christy Kalbach Gatheist Stephen Andrews Let Them Eat Kofefe 
You skeptical chaps. Vanessa. Don't be a Richard. Ollie Olson. Utah Outcast. Wesley Aaron. Andrew Bonapitch. Jeremy Goodson. Jeff Peterson. Megan Mitchell. Tim Jacobson. Janet Uter. Savita Kuna. Purple Dragon. Captain Sample. Corey Ebert. Freethinker215. Taylor Grin. And Nico Gonzalez. Yay! Thank you all so very, very much. Uh, yeah. yeah, thank you. And we received a message from Freethinker215 that uh, I will will lead me to do some other things. I'm going to be opening a... Shit, now the... Oh, PayPal. <laughs> I had a hard time yeah. thinking about it earlier. I'll, I'll be <laughs> creating a PayPal account for the show uh, because Patreon is now charging sales tax for yeah. for some people. So, And I know that some people just don't like using Patreon and would prefer to donate to the show in some other way. And Freethinker215 sent us a long message that has spurred me to also create a PayPal account. So I will be sure to announce the details of that in a future episode um, and post once I have that created for those who would like to donate the show, but have not done so because they don't like Patreon and for anybody who would prefer to use PayPal instead of Patreon. So watch for that soon. And so until next week, Crucify boomers with their non-boom-boom weapons. Leave us a review and fucking vote. And rate the show five times a day towards Ryan Cunt Knuckle. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Hooey, there's something from the cutting room floor. <laughs> so I just, I just start talking whenever... Yep, yep, I'm still recording, so I can just I can just oh, cut oh, out okay. whatever you whatever you say, you know, and I'll use just that piece for the for the okay. quote from you. Okay. Hey guys, this is Brandy Hamrick and I'm from uh, West Virginia where uh, contrary to popular belief, we don't all fuck our cousins. And you're listening to the Godless Revolution. That's fantastic. <laughs> there was like there was a little stutter in the audio though while you were doing it like the the phone messed up just a little bit would you mind doing it for me again oh man (laughs) (sighs) okay hey guys this is brandy hamrick i'm from charleston west virginia contrary to popular belief we don't all fuck our cousins and we didn't all vote for trump and you're listening to the godless revolution that was awesome yep that was amazing perfect fantastic well done Yay! <laughs> We've had Yay! people do that 20 times for us before. <laughs> and I'm not joking about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, probably get the name of the no, show I, wrong 18 times. <laughs> if I had to do it three times, I'd be like, fuck it. This is, this is <laughs> fuck it, I'm out of time. I'm Oh, well, thank you so much, Brandy. It's yeah. been a real pleasure talking to you tonight. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. It's, it's one, one of the, the, most enjoyable things that I've done since I got sick. The, uh, uh, I, uh, I'm a fan of this musician, Andy Frasco, and, um, he's a shit ton of fun. And it's been on my bucket list since before I got sick. Like all I wanted to do, uh, the, this off the record now, but all, all I wanted to do in life was smoke a joint with Andy Frasco. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 
so he uh, was coming to town um, to play at our Oktoberfest. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, I might get to meet Andy Frasco because I'm on uh, the Main Street's committee. And so I, I emailed the, the guy that's in charge and was like, hey, you know, I, I, I'm supposed as a member of that board, I'm supposed to volunteer and whatever. And I can't because I can't be around that many people. But I, you know, I really I love Andy Frasco. I really want to see the show. Is there any way that we can like sit beside the stage or, you know, somewhere where I'm not around a shit ton of people? And um, so when we got there, they had us chairs right by the stage and uh, Andy motherfucking Frasco came over and hugged me and took selfies with me. And uh, I told him, I was like, you know, it's, it's been on my bucket list for, for ever since I've found your music. To, to smoke a joint with you. And he was like, well, let's go. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, we burned one right on Washington street in the middle of Charleston. Nice. And, <laughs> and uh, I was like, talk about white privilege, like just standing on the, in the middle of the street with, you know, cops and city officials everywhere. And I'm just smoking a joint right in the middle of the street. <laughs> but, uh, but it was with Andy motherfucking Frasco. So that was, uh, I got to check that off my bucket list. So that was pretty cool. But That's uh, fucking awesome, th- this yeah. has been this has been a lot of fun too. So <laughs> I, I appreciate I appreciate moments of uh, of levity in uh, in dark days. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You're very very welcome. Thank mm-hmm. you for coming on the show and talking to us. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, you guys have a good night. <laughs> All right. You too. you too, Brandy. Thank you so much. All bye-bye. right. All right. Bye bye. Had had to go look on her. <laughs> Andy fucking Frasco. <laughs> he looks like he looks like John uh fucking Turturro. Yeah, he looks like John Turturro. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of music. Oh, it looks like, kind of like a like jazz type stuff going on. I see guitars and saxophone and keyboard. But yeah. Well, now I just I just like that one. So she's like, they just went and looked at my Instagram <laughs> for Andy Frasco for Andy fucking Frasco. <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic fucking human being, man. I really like Brandy. She's super cool. Yeah. And I'm super glad that we were able to get her on the show. Well, what a sweetheart. Yeah. I don't want it fucking up in the middle of the show. That'd be really bad. I'm finding the more woodworking I'm doing. My knuckles are starting to look like I'm a bare knuckle boxer. <laughs> you keep oh, yeah. smacking them on shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, my common mistake right now is I built a big sanding disc on my old lathe, and I'll be like manipulating a piece of wood, and I'll get a little too close with my knuckles and scrape my knuckles across the sandpaper. Oh, that's fun. And it'll just grind a little bit of skin off. So yeah, my knuckles are. Just sanding, oh, sanding the skin off of your knuckles. Good job, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes you look tough. <laughs> uh-huh. I remember, I remember one time, you know, when you go to the mall and they got those people there, they're trying to the hawk their products at you. Uh-huh. At little kiosks. The lady called me over there and yeah, she was attractive. So that kind of got me to come over there. But, uh, <laughs> she started, she's like, She's like, well, what kind of products do you use? I'm like, products? What are you talking about? Like hand cream products and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't. Oh, girlfriend, let me she's tell like, well, you all the products I use on my hands. Yeah. And she's like, well, why, why don't you try this out? And she puts some stuff in my hands. She goes, see how soft your hands are now? 
I'm like, I work with my hands. I've worked to build up those calluses. Now you just got rid of them. <laughs> like, yeah, but all the ladies are going to like it now. I'm like, yeah, but now my hands are fucking turned into pussies. They're all soft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> my hands are turning into pussies. Mm-hmm. I think you said churned. I probably <laughs> did. <laughs> They're churning into pussies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Uh, like my hands are hard for a reason, lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Sorry, I should have come down here and organized this stuff a bit earlier. Don't worry, the, the more time we do this, the more, more time it gives my polyurethane on pieces of wood to cure before I want to go sand it. Mm. I get a little anxious with that sometimes, making making my wood shiny. <laughs> <laughs> with your pussy fingers? <laughs> well, not anymore. I worked hard. <laughs> oh. So it didn't last very long. No. No, that was probably, like, that was probably actually, like, like, eight, nine years ago that happened. Eight or nine years ago? Yeah. So my hands have gotten hard again. Oh. <laughs> I thought this was recently, like, no. you've been working with wood. No. This was, like, a while ago. Oh. I, hmm. I, I still thought it was a funny story, though. They should call that stuff cunt knuckles. What's up, cunt knuckles? (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how many people would look at their hands if you called them that. (laughs) Yeah, I do got little, like, grooves in all my knuckles. Probably everybody. Yeah, probably everybody would. That'd be funny. And then while they're distracted, it's the perfect time to sock them in the face. Fighting 101. <laughs> now I'm gonna. I have a hard time deciding if I should just name this Cunt Knuckle and Dick cunt Fingers. Knuckles. <laughs> cunt, the, cunt, the knuckle and dick cunt Knuckle fingers. and Dick Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>